Chapter 6 of The Ocean of Air, Meteorology for Beginners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Miles. The Ocean of Air, Meteorology for Beginners by Agnes Jaburn. The Resistance of Air. Chapter 6. The Resistance of Air if you draw your hand quickly through water you are aware of a counter-pressure the water seems trying to hinder or push it back a man swimming in the sea or rowing a boat is keenly conscious of this the same resistance though not to the same extent is found in the ocean of air the particles of a gas are less densely placed less close together than those of a liquid therefore a body moving in their midst can more easily thrust them aside to make way for itself still there always is a measure of resistance this fact of air resistance is a serious item for consideration in the matter of motion generally there are many bodies on earth at rest and many in motion those at rest have usually to move sooner or later those in motion come as a rule sooner or later to rest two main rules govern the condition of objects in motion or at rest one is well known the other not so well known they are these one a body at rest is never set in motion except by force two a body in motion is never brought to rest except by force the first of the two everybody will assent to at once we all know that a ball does not set itself rolling that a train will not start itself that a cannon cannot fire itself off a certain amount of power or force must be exerted upon a body from outside to make it move and it must always be enough force to cause the particular movement required a man's hand can throw or roll a ball of india rubber but a man's hand cannot start a train even in the case of a man walking though in a sense he does set himself going yet this only means that his will takes the place of the outside force and causes his muscles to act but to say that a body in motion can only be stopped by force that is another matter do we not all know that nothing on earth continues moving forever do we not all know that everything inevitably stops sooner or later have we not seen for ourselves how the swift cannonball the whirling grindstone the spinning top the swinging pendulum all come to repose did not our ancestors search in vain for perpetual motion wasting time and money in a hopeless quest because no motion of bodies on earth ever is perpetual yes true enough all this yet none the less true is the rule given motion is never stopped but by force no single body will ever move unless it is made to move once set going it will never cease moving unless it is brought to rest by the exercise of a counterforce for motion is as naturally permanent as rest rather difficult to believe is it not yet this is a fundamental fact you see a big rock lying on a mountainside and you are quite ready to ascent when somebody remarks that the rock will not stir without being made to do so there is a certain reluctance to change its present condition a stubbornness or inertia about the rock this inertia chains it to the spot where it lies until some outside force shall be exerted to set it going 
but suppose such a force is exerted and the great rock is sent rolling leaping crashing fiercely down the steep mountain side we have now a new state of things the rock is no longer at rest it is in motion the stubbornness the reluctance to change its present state a state of motion the inertia in short of the rock continue as before though manifested differently then the rock was at rest and it would not move without being made to move now the rock is in motion and it will not stop without being made to stop not stop you are hardly so ready to assent to this as to the former statement of course it will stop so soon as it reaches level ground yes of course concussion with the level ground will prove to be a sufficient checking force i did not say that the rock would never cease to move i only said that it would not stop without the exercise of force no doubt a sufficient force will be exercised by the resisting ground in this world there always is a sufficient checking force to bring all moving bodies to rest that fact does not in the least detract from the truth of the opposite fact that if no checking force existed the body would not cease to move take a tennis ball in your hand and fling it high that tennis ball will go on forever unless stopped fire a bullet from a rifle that bullet will speed onward forever unless stopped set a grindstone whirling fast that grindstone will whirl forever unless stopped make a top spin steadily that top will spin forever unless stopped these things always are stopped but they do not stop themselves they do not come to rest of themselves always invariably sufficient force is used by something or somebody to bring them to a state of repose the great checks to continued movement on earth are commonly reckoned as two friction and the resistance of the air these two may almost be reduced to one for the resistance of the air is really only a delicate form of friction it means simply the striking and rubbing of the tiny particles of air against anything passing through the midst of them the attraction of the earth is another great hindrance to motion but this also comes under the head of friction the earth draws the moving or falling body downward then friction against the ground rocks or water causes it to stop so by friction we mean the touching and rubbing of other substances if you touch a spinning top ever so lightly with your finger you will see at once how great is the checking power of a touch to anything in motion as a rule the word is used with reference to solid bodies but the resistance of water particles and air particles practically amounts to the same thing a great cannonball is dispatched from the mouth of a huge cannon whizzing whirling tearing along ready to destroy aught that may lie in its path the force which has started the ball is the gunpowder explosion the sudden change of a solid into a gaseous form and the consequent tremendous pressure of gaseous particles fighting to escape thus overcoming utterly the stubborn inertia of the ball at rest but when once the ball is off some other force equal in degree is needed to overcome the stubborn inertia of the ball in motion before it can be brought to rest once more only instead of being a single sharp exercise of power pent up in a tiny space and in one moment it may be a slow and continued exercise of force gradually acting 
if no such force is exerted the ball will rush on forever always in a straight line always at the same speed first the air particles begin it is wonderful to think that such weak floating infinitesimal specks of matter can have the smallest effect upon a mighty cannonball perhaps you have never been underneath a cannonball fired from a large gun and so have not heard the furious rush and whiz of its passage among those air particles sounding like a small express train careering over your head if you had you would realize that the opposition which they offer is by no means contemptible singly they are soft and weak but banded together acting in concert they are strong from the moment that the ball leaves the cannon they are at work each air particle which lies in the path of the ball only to be fiercely thrust aside only to seem an utter failure has done its tiny task the air particles alone unaided would in time bring the great ball to rest but something else is at work also in conjunction with the struggling particles of air earth is dragging at the ball with her ceaseless pull the force of the explosion may send it far upward, yet soon the pull of earth tells, and a downward curve begins which presently lands the ball upon the ground. For a while still it may leap and bound forward, but with every crash of contact a further check is given, and at length the moving body is at rest. Yet remember, the cannonball would never of itself have traveled in a curved path or with slackening speed it would have gone on interminably always straightforward always at the same speed without the resistance of the air the attraction of the earth and the friction of the ground it would not have stopped so there was a sufficient cause for the starting of the cannonball there was a sufficient cause for its moving in a bent path there was a sufficient cause for its going more slowly there was a sufficient cause for its coming to a standstill there is always a sufficient cause for every movement and for every change of movement in a moving body just as much as for any movement at all in a body hitherto at rest we thus see distinctly that it was the inertia of the heavy cannonball which made a strong explosive force needful to start it in swift career once started it was the very same inertia differently shown which made the continued resistance of air and earth needful to bring it to repose a curious calculation has been made illustrating how great is the resistance of air particles to a body moving with great rapidity a cannonball is fired off and travels let us say some six thousand feet before touching the ground if the air offered no resistance it would have sped to a distance of over twenty thousand feet in one unbroken rush the nearest approach to unceasing motion on earth is to be found in a pendulum hung in a vacuum from a hard fine point there no soft elastic atmosphere checks the steady swing nothing checks it except a very slight degree of friction at the point from which it hangs still some amount of rubbing always does and must exist at that point the pendulum may swing for hours even through a whole day but sooner or later it has to stop the only apparently perpetual motion of which we can speak with confidence is that of the heavenly bodies the whirling and revolving suns and worlds our earth is one of those worlds her movements have lasted through ages unchanged since the hand of god sent her forth upon her celestial pathway 
How she was first set going, we do not know, and how long she will continue to move, we do not know. All we know is that sufficient force must have been exerted to set her whirling and revolving, and that no sufficient force has ever since been exerted to bring her to a standstill. In the wide regions of space, no air exists to check her movements. The earth carries the atmosphere with her as she rolls onward, a soft surrounding vesture, a deep translucent ocean, a very part of herself. There is no vast ocean of air throughout space. The stars and planets roll unhindered through centuries of centuries with calm, continuous whirl. Something, indeed, there probably is, though not air, something unspeakably thinner and lighter than our atmosphere, something so rare and fine that we can scarcely more than guess at its existence. But if this something, which we call ether, does indeed extend through space and can exercise any checking force upon the heavenly bodies, it is a force so slight, so slow in action, that no results are yet apparent. To man, watching with dim eyes from the lower levels of the air-ocean, the motions of the suns and worlds through thousands of years show no change. End of chapter 6